Good morning, church. It's a great day to be alive in the Lord, isn't it? I bring you greetings from the 400 United Methodist churches throughout the North and Central Texas Conference who are helping people to love God, who are proclaiming new life in Jesus Christ, who are serving others, especially the poor and the vulnerable, and who are seeking the work of mercy and justice every day. So I've been having a conversation with your pastor, your current pastor, Reverend Chris Dowd, and uh, he was telling me that there's only been three clergy that have been pastors, right? at uh, Christ Plano over 50 years. And uh, that's quite an account, that, that, that's unusual because the average appointment for United Methodist clergy in the church, I think is 4.2 years, right? But here's the thing, clergy are appointed on a year-to-year basis, so Reverend Candler was appointed 10 times to Christ Plano. Reverend Underwood was appointed 37 times. <laughs> Why train's a good thing, right? <laughs> and your current pastor, Chris Dowd, has been appointed three separate times. So, you know, we're all going to year to year, right? Yeah. But seriously, th- this is my second time here, and let me tell you what, I, every time I walk into this place, I just feel the warm embrace of Christ's love. Because we, uh, this church hosted our annual conference, and um, the hospitality was amazing. The, um, all the technical aspects of the services were great. The music was outstanding and, and so much going on. But when, when, when we walk into those doors, we could feel that the people were waiting for us to be here. And so this is, this is the atmosphere of welcome and hospitality that this church has, has exemplified for years and years to come. And so today's a great day and, and I just want to celebrate all of the work that the anniversary committee has put into this endeavor. I know how much time it takes to coordinate and to plan things out and to make sure everything is just right. So thank you for your hard work. Today is a culmination of all of those months and hours and phone calls and texts and details to do of planning. And so we celebrate that. I want to talk to you about a letter from God. A letter from God. And I, I, um, I read the scripture several times, but this time I, I read it, I noticed something in it that was, that was new. And uh, from Jeremiah 29, verses 1 and 4 through 7, it reads as follows. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests and prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts. This is a letter from God to the people. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of Scripture. Let us pray. Gracious God, who can search your unfathomable mind and purpose? We only marvel and stand in awe and and amazement at what you're able to do when we offer our lives to you and we see it flourish beyond all we can ask or think or imagine. I give you thanks for helping this community of faith flourish, for being a letter to you, from you to this community that can be read and draw people near to the grace of your love in your son Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be pleasing to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer, amen. So I get a lot of mail. This is like from two days. And uh, <clears throat> registration card, voter registration, because we moved from Kansas to Texas, so I've been waiting for this. Uh, here's an appraisal from the county appraisal for a property mine and I have. Um, let me see, real estate, in case I want to buy another house. Um, automobile care, reminding me of my service. Insurance, auto insurance, it's important. I can get a good discount on prescription medicine if I wanted it. Oh, here's one. I can apply for a loan at a low interest rate. Well, skip that. Here's one from SMU. I haven't opened it yet, I will. Reader's Digest, subscribe to it. Got a whole pile of them. Uh, What's this? Oh, whatever. The Smithsonian Institute, yes, subscribe to that. The Moorish Kingdom is this month's topic. And then, of course, Biblical Archaeology Review, Explore Christianity's First Capital. So, yeah, you know, and some of this stuff, if, if you're like, if, if I'm like you, if you're like me, we flip through this stuff and discard the junk mail and keep what we want to read. And, and most of the time, you know, it's, it's a normal experience, but then you get these other types of letters and notes, like this one from a 16-year-old uh, young person at um, the Central Texas Annual Conference. Bishop Zines, I would like to thank you and your family for your dedication to the United Methodist Church and for creating a more loving conference. Thanks for the opportunity to be involved. That's a keeper. This one came out of the blue the other day. Bishop and Maya, you've been on my mind lately with all the changes going on in your lives. I don't know who it is. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you through different events and annual conference. 
and mostly through Facebook. Maya's good at that. Please know you're lifted up in prayer every day. And then here's another one. Well, you get the point. Uh, in my office, I have all kinds of notes and cards. I even have boxes of cards. I only keep the good ones. Because <laughs> I get all kinds of mail, as you can imagine. Um, but isn't it true that whenever we see our name on, our, on an envelope, uh, we're reminded that someone is thinking about us? And not only that, but someone took the time to actually write something out and send it to us among the busyness of their life, um, a letter to thank us for something, to congratulate or to commend us on a milestone or an achievement, um, to invite us to attend something, or to say farewell if we're leaving. Some letters and notes wish us a speedy recovery when we're ill. Others offer sympathy and support when we've experienced loss or bereavement. Some letters and notes bring us joy. They can encourage us to not to give up hope, to persevere and rely on God's power to be resilient in tough times. While a Facebook message or text or email can lift our spirits, a letter differs. A letter is something we can look back on and read and reread multiple times. Maybe you have some of those in your homes or your offices. A letter is something that expresses someone's thoughts and care for us. It, it can make us smile or, or laugh um, or persevere or just hold on to hope. Sometimes it can even help us shed a tear. There's something about words on a paper that solidify and give life to the thoughts and affections that others express to us that can touch the deepest parts of our hearts and our minds and our souls. We can gain strength and resilience and hope in our time of need, and we can reread them and revisit them often. Today's scripture records a letter God sent to his people in exile through the prophet Jeremiah. And the letter says, you are not forgotten, you are loved, I have a plan for you, and I will restore what you have lost. That's basically the content of the letter. You see, to understand the, the, the occasion for the letter, we, we, we have to realize that, that uh, there had been conflict between Babylon and Judah, the southern, the southern part of Israel, and over the years, the conflict escalated to war, and the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem and ransacked the city, tore down the temple, and then took the very best of the community and forcibly deported them to Babylon. As a result of their defeat, many were taken captive and, and they were longing for home. They wanted for things to go back to normal. And so God sends this letter through the prophet Jeremiah to, Babel, to Babylon, which was about 750 miles directly on a direct route. But in those days, the couriers had to travel along rivers until they could get across. 
So the route was not 750 miles, it was 1,700 miles. So the route must have taken at least 200 days if people travel 10 miles a day. So it must have taken a little bit less than a year until they finally got that letter from God. You know, sometimes God's messages take a while to get to us, right? While we're sitting, waiting, figuring out what's next in our lives. The community was traumatized by the loss of everything. They lost their loved ones, their homes, their beloved city, Jerusalem. Their identity and language and culture were now subordinate to a new and dominant Babylonian culture. The temple and familiar expressions of the religious practices had been destroyed. They were landless and also a powerless minority. They were now the social outcasts. The things that gave them meaning and order to their existence were now gone. And so then comes God's letter. And God's letter aims to communicate comfort and guidance to cultivate resilience and hope for them to persevere for the long haul. And the letter says that your lives are not over and your ultimate future was not compromised because you experienced trauma. They belong to God and nothing could ever separate them from God's love. The letter acknowledges, I know what you've been through. You've had it rough. You've been through a harsh experience in life. I know your situation, your difficulty, your frustration, your pain, the sorrow, your displacement, your grief, and your longing for a return home. But the letter's message was not exactly what the people of God wanted to hear. They wanted to return to their homeland and Norfolk life as quickly as possible, but God's letter let them know, like, no, not yet. It's going to take 70 years a little bit longer than 50. It's gonna take longer and so your situation is not gonna change soon, so create your new normal. Create your new normal. They were to move from moping about and wallowing in their situation to a spiritual maturity that accepted what they had been through and were invited to make the most of it. So stop sitting around. Don't be afraid to plan because you're uncertain about the future or anything else. And, and don't sit around idly counting the empty days as they go by. Instead, build houses, plant gardens, and seek the peace of the new community. Continue to live your lives, marry, have families, and adapt to life where you are planted, even if it's the last place you want to be. Some of us are in those situations where like, how in the world did I get here? If I can just get back to the way things were, I would be okay. But God says, be okay where you are and start from there. To marry, to have families in exile meant that exiles were not returning to Jerusalem anytime soon. And God mandated them to build a life where they are and not to wait until things that were out of their control improved. They were to take responsibility for improving their own situation in whatever way they could. This demonstrated that even though they were away from their homeland, they should still strive for stability to maintain their culture and religious identity and contribute positively wherever they found themselves. In short, 
God was asking them to be model citizens of this new country. God assures the people that he has plans for their future and will one day return them to their land and restore what they had lost. They could rely on God's promises because God had a covenant not just with them, but with all God's people for all eternity forever. And there was nothing that they could do that would ever bring God to break covenant with them. Even though they were separated, they were not separated from God. They were not alone, they were loved, and they would never be forsaken. I was talking to God the other day, and uh, he told me to, God told me to read this letter to you. It says, uh, letter to the Christ Plano UMC on the 50th anniversary. Celebration September 24, 2023. I'm going to read it to you now. My beloved children at Christ Plano in UMC, as you gather on this great celebration and thanksgiving in this sacred space, with its beautiful architecture and hallowed halls. I write you a letter with a message of love, hope, and solace that I have longed to impart to each and every one of you. Thank you for making this place one where people can receive my comfort and guidance, for making it stand as a beacon of my light in a world shrouded in darkness. Because of your faithfulness, Weary souls find respite. The brokenhearted discover solace, and the lost are welcomed home. As my church, your lives in Christ are my letter to the world, as you embody my presence wherever you go. You offer a hurting world my unconditional love, a love that knows no bounds. Your outreaching love on my behalf reaches out to the downtrodden, the abandoned, and the marginalized. Yours is a love that binds wounds and heals scars, a balm for the weary and the wounded. As members of this church body, you are a community of believers, a family united by faith and devotion to me and my son, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as this letter connects me and you across distance, you, the people of Christ, Plano UMC, connect hearts, bridge gaps that divide, offering a haven of unity in a world torn apart by strife. You are a church centered on the life, death, and resurrection teachings and promise of my beloved son Jesus, your Lord and Savior. In this place, friendships are forged Burdens are shared, and your collective strength as followers of Jesus uplifts and supports one another. Your teachings about me, my son, your Savior, my son, your Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the mission of the church, and the essential doctrines of faith serve as a guide, offer wisdom and insight, answer life's most profound questions, and illuminate the path forward for you and countless many. You search for me, and you find me in Scripture, 
a treasure trove of my divine wisdom filled with stories of triumph and resilience and redemption. My teachings are a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet that help you navigate life's complexities, offering comfort and direction when your journey seems arduous. You are my church, the living embodiment of my presence in the world. You are a vessel through which my love and grace flow, reaching out to touch hearts and transform lives. As my church, you're moving toward perfection in love, practicing the graces of forgiveness and reconciliation. Within and beyond these walls, your faithful witness mends brokenness, heals wounds, and proclaims that I am a God of second chances. And that is good news. So, my dear children, as you navigate the trials and tribulations of life, remember that the church is my gift to the world. Birthed by the death and resurrection of my son, Jesus Christ, for people of all ages, nations, and races. This church is my gift to you, and I welcome you with open arms, regardless of your past or your present. Christ United Methodist Church, I am your solace in times of sorrow, strength in times of weakness, and a guiding light in times of darkness. So be strong. Take heart. Hope in me. I know the plans I have in mind for you. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I am present for you today like I was yesterday and like I will be forever. May you and those who know you find refuge within my church's embrace, and may the message of my eternal love for you echo in your hearts, reminding you that you are never alone, never and forever loved, and nothing can separate you from my love for you in Jesus Christ. Continue to be my letter to a hurting world that declares my unwavering love and my eternal desire to bring healing and restoration to all people. With all my love, on your 50th anniversary, God. Friends, when I drove up this morning and I saw the steeple on Coit Road magnificently budding out over the trees, I said, what a letter of God to the community. And you, are the letters a recommendation for God wherever you go and people read you and as they read you they come to know the love and the mercy and the grace of God in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit working in your life and God draws people into God's grace and God's family of belonging and your ministry continues to grow and multiply for years and years and years and years to come. May God bless you. May God's words and life be embodied in you so that wherever you are, God's speaking. God's sending a letter through you to the world. May it be so.